Hi new Canadians, welcome back to the NCCYL show. This is episode 2 and I'll be your host for the first segment of the radio, along with two familiar members from the last episodes, Tony and Tommy. Hey everyone, I'm Tony, and you're listening to the NCCYL show on 92.7 CFFFFM Trent Radio. Come on man, be more energetic. What's up people, it's your boy Tommy, back at it with the second episode of NCCYL. Don't mind him, someone just gave him free ice cream. We should really tell Lubna to stop giving him free food, eh? I wholeheartedly agree with that. What do you mean, man? Lubna is the best supervisor ever. Not only that, she also give us free food, but uh, she also let us plan events that you listener can visit. And she also couldn't boss us around because it's new Canadian center youth led cancel. You're missing out on some great stuff, listener. You should join NCCYL this September. I need a raise for having to work with him all the time. Let's move on, Maria, before we get too distracted. Right. Today on the NCCYL show, we'll be talking about Women's Day and Indigenous history. Yes, and we decided to do this because like Black History Month, Indigenous and Women's Day is not something that you only celebrate for a day or a month. You celebrate for the rest of your life. By talking about it, even at the end of March and early April, we hope that this would remind you to keep on researching and supporting these movements. Just like how you don't stop eating ice cream just because it's the end of August or the end of summer. Strange comparison, but we'll go with that. Hey man, I would like to say that eating ice cream during winter is really underrated. Anyway, we would also like to tell you guys that there will be a special exclusive NCC Wild Show only interview with someone who has experience in both indigenous and women's history. Yes, let's go! But you have to wait and listen to us first. <laughs> let's talk about Women's Day first, which was on March 8th, 2022. It's the day that celebrates human achievement and a call to action for everyone across the globe to stand up to women's rights and gender equality. Yes, and it's to encourage that no matter if you're a boy or a girl, you will still get the same privileges as your neighbors or your peers would get. Why is it important though? Why would we celebrate this more than something like Tommy Appreciation Day? I don't think there's anyone who would like to celebrate Tommy's Appreciation Day. However, Women's Day is important to celebrate because women have to fight for the freedom and rights that everyone would have nowadays. I agree with both of your statements, Tony. 200 years ago, women couldn't vote, were excluded from parliament, don't have equal pay, couldn't own property, couldn't get divorced, didn't have fair legal support, were not allowed to go past university level of education, couldn't wear certain clothes, excluded from public areas, events, didn't have good medical care and have to... Whoa, whoa, man. Talking about sugar verse. And you said I was energetic. It is true, though. You may have learned about the differences between income, but do you know that they couldn't wear certain clothes? They may as well have been banned from eating ice cream, too. Hey, yo, that's too far, man. We need to change that immediately. Fortunately, they did. Maria, may you tell us how they did it? Well, seeing how many legal laws there are against women, changes didn't change immediately but rather through a long amount of time. In the late 19th century, women began to fight for the right to suffrage. What does suffrage mean? Suffrage means the right to vote in political elections. This means that before that, all political decisions were decided by men, including laws that only affect women. 
Yes, and when men wouldn't budge, women started the Women's Social and Political Union, funded by Emmeline Parkhurst. This led to several women-led riots. Then World War I happened. <laughs> because of the devastation of war, rules got a whole lot linear. Female mechanics, drivers, along with other previously male-dominated jobs that women can now work in, began to pop up more frequently, which would still have been excluded from women if not for the war and the need for a greater workforce. I remember from my history class that in 1918, the representation of people acts got enforced, which gave women the right to vote. Not so fast. Only some women at certain age and status were allowed to vote. It wasn't until 1928 that the Equal Franchise Act was passed and allowed all women to vote. But when all women were allowed to vote, common stuff nowadays began to happen like fair pay, working rights, female politicians, female athletes, and other rights. Way more common than you think. But it's not all finished yet. There are still gender stereotypes that pressure women to act a certain way. Karen! Sure, and women on average still earn less money than men as well. I see, so that's why we still celebrate International Women's Day. Yes, and you listeners can contribute as well. Have you ever considered giving a gift to your mom or sister? You can also support female owners' businesses as well. Maybe cook once in a while instead of letting your mom do it. Unless your name is Tommy, then you shouldn't be near the kitchen at all. Hey man, it's not my fault that I start to hear seductive voices inside the fridge when I'm near it. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to the next and equally important topic of Indigenous History and Orange Shirt Day. Both didn't happen in March, but again, we would like to remind you that we all should celebrate Indigenous history. As some of you know, the Indigenous people basically got scammed by early settlers, have their lands and rights taken away from them. This then led to sad events in Canadian history, like when Indigenous people fighting back then get a trial without legal assistance and got executed. Or the residential schools, which lasted for more than 160 years. And if you have a good memory, you might have heard about Indigenous children on Mark Grave, buried deep under residential school. Fortunately though, most indigenous people nowadays have the respect and benefits they deserve, but nowhere near what the settlers promised for their ancestor. This is why we celebrate the indigenous history, not only for history to not repeat itself, but for adults and kids to acknowledge how much First Nations people help, helped early settlers of Canada and how much more respect they deserve. Although it is a little bit sad, let's go briefly through the history of indigenous people. I'm sure most new Canadians wouldn't be as knowledgeable about it as they should be. That's a good idea, as long as you don't randomly yell out ice cream related jokes. Let me start. In the early 17th century, European settlers came to Canada for a new place to live. The relationship between indigenous people and European settlers were pretty friendly at the time because indigenous people helped Europeans to traverse and explore Canada in exchange for goods. Things, however, got a lot worse. When settlers gained in population, they started to use some of the resources that indigenous people often used to survive. One of the famous examples of this is the buffalo, which is a big food source for the indigenous people. The indigenous people then took help from the British Canadian government and were told to sign a treaty that promised them many good things. 
And let's just say that the treaty was not accurate to what was promised verbally. It's like saying, too a stupid! And tell your friend that you're complimenting their intelligence. Yeah, and the key point of this is that the indigenous people basically got their freedom and land taken away by the government. But the worst of all is the Indian Act in 1876. Uh oh. And by the way, when they said Indian, they refer to indigenous people, not the actual Indian people nowadays. Sound confusing, I know. This act is set to assimilate indigenous people, turning their indigenous culture and background into a European one. And the purpose of them doing this is that they have more expansion, space, and growth. The Indian Act introduces the Indian status. You can give up your Indian status in exchange for voting rights and lands, but also it means that you no longer receive indigenous benefits. Obviously, this sounds really sketchy, uh, so nobody accept it. But the government still want to take their status away so they make it harder to have an Indian status. Instead of having the status when you are birth, you now have to register for it. They even tried to get rid of it entirely in 1970, but obviously that was disapproved. The Indian Act also introduced Indian agents which are basically evil supervisors that get to control your life. Unlike the NCCYL supervisor, Lukna! And then, any complaints would have to go through the agent before reaching the government, so the agents never really got fired because all the complaints about them would be disposed. The government would also try to assimilate indigenous people through other ways, like limiting their culture practices. And listen to this. In 1925, they made dancing illegal. That's right. Freaking dancing is illegal because indigenous culture contain a lot of dancing. Maybe that would be great nowadays considering how many TikTok dances I see at school. But still, making dancing illegal? Come on, Canada, in the past, you're better than this. The government also takes away lands and cities from indigenous people without consent for expansion. It's also very hard for indigenous people to do anything about it because it's illegal for them to, do, to hire lawyers or legal services at the time. And finally, the infamous residential school. In 1894 and 1920, residential schools were mandatory for the First Nation children. For those who don't know, residential schools are schools funded by the government and Christian churches that were specifically built to convert indigenous children into, into the European-Canadian culture. This school taught their students to hack their language, culture, skin, and families. Basically mandatory rebellious teenager phase. There were a lot of abuses within these schools. This was supported by this is supported by many unmarked graves that we just found recently. After World War II, the relationship between the gov Canadian government and the indigenous people started to reconcile along with other movements like gender equality and ending racism. Although there are still things left to be done, of course. That's why we asked you to keep on supporting the indigenous people. And remember, it's not reconciliation, it's reconciliation action as well. That was so cringe, man. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm spending way too much time with Tommy. I really need to move back and work with Mariam. Hey, that was a great final sentence, though. I even googled it up to make it funny. All jokes aside, we're about to head into the next segment of the NCCYL show. Where a new member of the NCCYL that you didn't get to see last week will interview a person that knows way more about the importance of indigenous and women equality than we do.
And this was Maria. This is Tony. This Tommy, the funniest man on earth. Without further ado, bye bye everyone to the next segment. Here we go. Bye 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 bye. Miranda, I am the event coordinator for NCCYL. Today, I'm gonna be joined by Jessica Outram, and we're gonna be discussing the International Women's Month, mainly focusing on the Indigenous women in our community. So, I wanna thank you again for listening to our show, staying tuned, and supporting us. If you missed the first part, don't worry; you can always listen to it again on Spotify. So, stay tuned. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Okay, um, how was your day today? I had a wonderful day today. I had a lot of fun at work, working with some new staff. It's always nice when new people join the team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you mind telling the audience uh, more about yourself? Sure. So my name is Jessica Outram, and I work as the principal of Indigenous education for the Kawartha Pine Ridge District School Board. I'm a citizen of the Métis Nation of Ontario with roots in the Georgian Bay Métis community. And uh, I'm just so happy to be here talking with you today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about the International Women's Day since it's in March. And we're going to be focusing on Indigenous women in our society. So why do you think it is important to celebrate International Women's Day from an Indigenous person's viewpoint? Okay, so throughout the conversation today, I think it's probably best for me just to speak for myself as in terms of who I am as a Métis woman, um, because I think that every woman has a different story and a different perspective along the way, right? So yeah. I'll speak through my own and rather than speak for all Indigenous women, because we're, we're, all, we're all different. But for my own view, um, I think it's important because... So often the stories of women have been ignored and it's nice to have a day where we can um, remind each other, like really it's, it's about us as women to remind ourselves of um, who we are and the contributions that we are making and will continue to make and to celebrate um, what it means to be us. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, so you mentioned that you are in Indigenous women, right? Yes. Um, what are some of the common barriers that Indigenous women face in the society, the business world, and their careers? Okay, so some of the barriers, like if again I think to my own life, um, that that I've faced, really come in in terms of education. 
So I was the first in my family to go to university. And uh, one thing that I remember happening when I applied, I wanted to go to after university, I wanted to go to graduate school. And uh, I wanted to go do a master's degree, which is a degree you do after your, your degree. (laughs) And uh, I remember telling my parents that this was something that I wanted to do. And I didn't find out until 10 years later, that they didn't, like, my mom didn't know what it meant. And she thought that I was, I was, Um, you know, throwing my future away. And she didn't understand that it meant that it might give me more job opportunities. And, uh, and so they, you know, when I told them this, that I wanted to go do a master's, they told me no, and um, put a lot of barriers, even with my own family. And I didn't understand it at the time. And it wasn't till 10 years later that I understood that because of my own story, in where I grew up, I knew what it was, but my mom's story was different from the town. She grew up in a much smaller town um, than I grew up in, in this, like the city. Um, and she, she didn't know. And even when I think about my aunt, her sister, that's another story around the barrier being school. Um, and that's in her generation when she was a, a, in school they went around and they asked everybody where they were from and what their parents did for a living at the school. And then the kids were treated by the teachers according to that. So she wasn't treated very well because of where she came from and who she was. And then when she was in grade 11, she wanted to move schools and the teachers told her that they would fail her grade 11 if she moved schools. So her cousin said, I'm going to move and moved anyways and went to a different school and failed grade 11. And then my aunt decided to stay because she didn't want to fail, but she was so sad without her cousin and felt so lonely. And it was so hard at school for her that she ended up failing grade 12 and she's in her seventies now, you know, and she didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell her daughter. She didn't tell her husband And she just told us this story within the last two years for the first time in her life because she was so embarrassed that she didn't graduate from grade 12. But I will say that even though she didn't graduate from grade 12, she was a very smart woman and very hardworking and ended up becoming um, the vice president of a major bank in, in Canada and helped open another bank in Canada. Um, which is pretty amazing. So she still did amazing things um, with her, what, what she had, but I feel sad for her because of, of all those barriers that were put up for school. And the same for me, I had the barriers with my masters and um, I ended up being able to um, do my masters on my own terms with my own money and, years later, I saved up money for myself and did it in the evenings and on weekends, because that education was important to me. So that's just one area, I think that barriers can happen in all sorts of areas in our relationships and moving through the world. But I thought for today, I would focus on education. Yeah, so I guess um, your grandma, your grandmother's issue is the one that pushed you to become 
involved in the education system, right? Uh, I don't, I think it's my mom made me, to be honest. <laughs> my mom really wanted me to be a teacher. Um, my mom really thought that would be a good job. And I was a good girl and I did what I was told. And, uh, and, and that wasn't always easy either, right? Because it didn't feel like it was my choice. Uh, but what has happened is over time is I really, um, I, it was the right place. I love teaching. I did love teaching and I loved working with young people and I love the work that I do. So it was, it was all good in the end. But um, I think having my aunt to be so successful like that um, and to work hard. I grew up with that, right? I grew up hearing her stories and the women in my family are all very strong women. And they're really the ones that are, um, I guess, like running things in our family. And one the great gift that I had as a young person is um, my mom and her two sisters, she had two sisters would get together at the, at my mom's home up on Georgian Bay, okay. where they were from every summer. And they would have girls week, they called it. So my cousins were also there. So we would spend a week together sitting and talking, walking out on the rocks of Georgian Bay, um, and it was only women that were allowed and we would learn from each other and hear each other's stories. We would think about our grandmothers and learn from, you know, their memories and take out all the old pictures. And doing that year after year was so powerful in terms of me learning from my family about uh, what's important and and how to reach for my goals. Yes. Okay, thank you very much for sharing that with us. Um, so here's the final question for you. Um, if you can have dinner with three inspirational, inspirational women, dead or alive, of the Indigenous community, who will they be and why? Ooh, well, the first one that came to mind would be my great-grandmother. Yes. I would love to meet her. Um, I just finished writing a book about her where she plays one of the characters in the book and her and and then I guess um, my great great grandmother is also in the book so I feel like I've been spending a lot of time with them lately just with finishing that story uh, they grew up on a lighthouse on Georgian Bay can you imagine living on an island in in you know bear country <laughs> where <there's, laughs> and they lived there for 60 years and grew up on these islands and um, it was a very remote place and so that was what that story was but I I have so many questions that I want to ask her and her mom about our family and our family story so for sure in terms of them that would be them in terms of women who've made a difference and made an impact Someone who I find really inspiring is Lee Miracle, and she just died last summer. And she is a poet and a writer and an um, activist and a very inspiring woman. So I highly recommend if you can find her poetry. Um, I would love to talk to her and to thank her for sharing her voice and being proud of who she was and, and making a path 
um, for other women and other poets would be really nice. So I th those would be my three. All right. And what is the title of your book that you finished writing? It is called Bernice and the Georgian Bay Gold. And it's all inspired by my great aunt Bernice. And she was like a grandparent to me. And she grew up there. And it's, um, you know, and it, it's her, she, she thinks she's found a treasure map and that there's gold on Georgian Bay. So she goes searching all throughout Georgian Bay. And it's telling the story of being Métis in Ontario, because part of our story and what happened for us is that our family changed their name to hide who they were because they were afraid that the children would be taken. They were afraid they wouldn't get the health care that they needed. So they changed their name and they pretended to be French and they lost their language. So even my mother didn't speak English until she went to school and then she didn't speak um, Michif, it's called. Uh, it's an old form of uh, French Michif is what, what the, they would have spoken. And, um, and then all of that was lost and hidden. And that's very common for the, the story of the Métis people. So I feel really proud that I was able to put their story together in a book. And I just finished it on Saturday and I'll tell you what happened. So, so part of the whole story and what happens in it is there's a story in the Toronto star okay. about my great grandmother that she went to the Toronto general hospital because she swallowed a pin while she was sewing. Can you imagine a pin, like a sewing needle? Oh, so, yeah. so the only way to travel from her community, and I just to think of this is unbelievable to me, to Toronto would be by train or by boat. So she probably took the train, but then there would be, they didn't have a phone. So yeah, how would you phone. even know how she was doing? <laughs> Right. You wouldn't. So she ends up traveling by by train. So this whole story is about this and, and how, um, again, they, they decide to change their name and how this experience of leaving this community where they knew everybody and leaving and going to the city and how they're treated differently in the city um, um, worries them and how they start making changes at home. And then I finish the book and I go for a walk. I live by Lake Ontario and I love to go for walks by the lake. Oh, right. Okay. You know, the big lake there. And yeah. I live, yeah, yeah. And uh, not, there's not in Peterborough. I live south of Peterborough. <laughs> and I'm going for a walk and I'm on the sidewalk on my walk after I finish this book about my grandmother's is a sewing needle. Oh, you just okay, and you started thinking about the sewing needle that you were, you were writing about in the book. Yeah, so it was like a message, right, from my grandmother saying, "Good job, we like the book." Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling our story. <laughs> okay, and where can we find the book? I, I, it'll be a year from now, so oh. it won't be coming out for one, one whole year. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. That's fine. I'll be waiting for it. So, uh, do you think um, the in, the international women that you mentioned, right, the woman who died during the summer, uh, do you think they're receiving or oh, they received enough recognition, or maybe more should be done to recognize their efforts? That's a good question. I think more should be done to recognize her efforts. I think that within 
um, to different communities. They know who she is and the impact that she made. But I think there's still lots of people who need to know her and what she did and what she contributed through her poetry and her writing and her voice. Yeah. All right. Okay. So NCCYO is a youth council. It is trained by teenagers. Um, as a youth council, how can we encourage other young women and girls to participate in the growth and development of their communities? Mm. Well, I love the arts. And I think that if we can share our own voices, whether it's through writing or um, even making videos or doing things like a podcast or um, if people are artists by creating their art or through dance, I really think that if we can use the arts as a way to share our stories, yeah. that that is a beautiful way to contribute to our communities. And I, I really love it when I have the opportunity to hear the stories of young people. So looking for ways that we can capture our stories and then share our stories out, I think is really helpful. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule to meet up with us today. And I hope you really enjoyed the interview because I did. I learned so much from you today. Oh, good. I loved it. This was just such a wonderful way to end the day. And I can't wait to hear, hear it all put together. And thank you for all that you're doing for the community. It's very inspiring. Oh, so thank you very much. Uh, we're going to release it about next week. should be up on Spotify. Yes, on Spotify. Yeah, right now it's on Spotify. And we're trying to make it available on Apple Music or maybe Audible and Audio Mac, many platforms, but you definitely hear it. Wonderful. On Trend Radio. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you.